Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. We're in a series called Indestructible Purpose. How many know you were created for a reason? Look at the person next to you and say you were created for a reason. And that's our question, right? Our question is what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And last week we talked about it just real quick as sometimes we think about purpose as something that happens someday. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to uh, go uh, online. You can either go to one of your podcast apps or you can go on Facebook or YouTube and you can pull up this video or you can go to indestructiblepurpose.org. You can find all this stuff there as well. And last week we talked about how we wrongly view purpose sometime as a someday as a destination like this is where I will I will get to and we talked about we put all of our hopes and dreams in a box and we ship them off into the future and as we talked about that we realized that purpose isn't a someday although it does feel like that sometimes right especially when we're going through the routine mundane of life Dishes and laundry. I don't know what it is about dishes and laundry that just suck the purpose out of your life. But dishes and laundry, man. Um, since I've been living on my own the last three months, whew, dishes and laundry. <laughs> purpose can still be found in the middle of the mundane. We talked about Peter and how when Jesus met Peter, he was actually in the middle of doing just the most mundane things. He was just fishing, which was his job wasn't what he was doing for fun or recreation. It was the way he made money. And just in the middle of the mundane, Jesus shows up and he asks him to do something incredible. More of the mundane. What did he say? Hey, let's go fishing again. And he's like, are you kidding me? You don't realize how much of a waste of time this is. Because we've already been doing that and it doesn't work. Sometimes your purpose is found in just doing the mundane again and again and again and we talked about this last week that I will look for the Lord in the moment that I'm in that can be hard sometimes looking for the Lord in the moment that we're in sometimes we just become so overwhelmed I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago and they have a desk job and they say sometimes I just sit here and stare at my computer and my mind just goes blank and then I'll come to myself and I'm like what am I doing I'm avoiding life because this seems pointless. Just sitting here and doing the same thing over and over, just, but I have to do it to make money. Anybody ever feel that way about the mundane? But I'm telling you, if we look for the Lord in the moment of that, Lord, what are you calling me to do right now in this moment? We can find a way to glorify the Lord even in the most boring things. The scripture tells us that whatever our hand finds to do, do it with all of our might as unto the Lord. So even in the mundane, we're doing things not for ourselves, not for our kids, not for our family. We actually can do it for the Lord. And in that, we can find more purpose. I will look for the Lord in the moment that I'm in. That's a recap on that. Today we're going to go to Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, let's look at verses 23. Let's start with verse 23. And some of you know this story. It goes like this. It says, And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat 
was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And when they woke him, and they woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose, rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is, this is a great story. Like, Lord, save us. Uh, one translation, or not one translation, later in Mark, the same story is told. Mark, it's not said, it doesn't say, Lord, save us, we're perishing. They say, uh, um, do you even care that we're, we're dying? Do you even care that we're perishing? It sounds like some of our, our arguments with our spouses. Do you even care? Of course he cares, right? Do you even care? He cares. What do we learn in this passage? What is Matthew trying to say? Can I tell you what he's trying to say? He's trying to say this. Jesus can calm the raging sea. I'll say it again. Jesus can calm the raging sea. Now, some of you didn't hear what I said. So I will say it again. Let me tell you what Matthew didn't say, and you're going to have to wait with me for just a second because I launch into this, you're going to think I'm a heretic for just a minute, but I promise you this is good stuff. What I'm trying to teach you is how to be a good student of the Bible. What Jesus, what Matthew, excuse me, is not saying is this, Jesus can calm the storms in your life. Matthew didn't say that. What Matthew said was Jesus can calm a literal raging sea. Can you imagine it in your mind? And Jesus can speak to the literal waves, not the figurative waves that come up in your life, literal waves and tell them to be still and they go calm. That's what Matthew's trying to say. But pastor, I've heard preachers preach that Jesus can calm the raging sea in my life. It's a big step. Now wait with me. Let's look and see what it does say in here. It says that the disciples were in the boat with them. And it says they were afraid. And what did they do when they were afraid? They called on Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Well, he corrected them a little bit. And then he calmed the sea. So what happened? The disciples, when they had fear, they turned to Jesus. Is that what Matthew is saying here? So is it safe to say that for us, this is a good example for us, that when we begin to fear, the thing that we need to do is also turn to Jesus. So what are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying that when I experience metaphorical storms in my life, I should turn to Jesus and he'll calm the raging sea? Yeah, what I'm saying is Jesus can calm the raging sea in your life. But you just said that it's important to take that step in the middle. It's important that when we read a passage that we're trying to see what the author says and not just trying to make it mean something to us all the time. Listen, the Bible is for you. It's not about you. You are not David killing Goliath. You, 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 are, you are not Noah building a boat. I don't know. But these are examples to us of how to live our lives, right? And so when we read these stories, we should take great care to say, what is Matthew actually trying to say? 
He's trying to say Jesus can actually calm literal seas, and that when the disciples feared, they turned to him. And so when I fear, I can turn to Jesus. And then you can take that extra step in the middle. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14, because this is where I really want to live. And I wanted to take a second to teach you that, because I think we should be good students of the word of God. And in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to see a similar story. We're going to start in verse 22. It says this, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. This is of, of the lake. While well, he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for, wind, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Say, do not be afraid. Now, do you guys remember that from the last thing we just read? In Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus was asleep in the boat, what did he tell him? Don't be afraid. Do you, remember, do you remember last week when Peter had caught that big catch of fish and he realized that Jesus was this holy man and he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, get away from me because, because I'm unholy and you're something that I am not. You know what Jesus said to him then? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's this thing that when Jesus approaches you, he's trying to remove your fear, not create it. And some of us, we, when we get close to Jesus, sometimes the own sin in our life will cause us to want to push away from him because he is so holy and we realize that we're messed up. You know what Jesus is saying? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But here in this passage, Jesus comes walking to them. I love it because they, they, they thought they saw a ghost. Has anybody ever seen a ghost before? You're like, we're in church. We're not supposed to talk about that kind of stuff. One of you are thinking, yeah, one time I did. I was at my granddad's house. I, I saw a ghost once. I was, um, I was training for the Ironman, and I was swimming uh, across the lake. And I was terrified, first of all, to swim across the lake. That lake is dark and murky and muddy. And it was overcast and rainy. And I was swimming across the lake. And I was smart enough um, to have my friend Shane Motzenbacher to paddle along next to me. And as Shane is paddled along next to me, and I had struggled so bad doing these swims. It was awful. And uh, I was kind of getting the rhythm of things. And as I was swimming across, I was getting pretty close, and I was swimming across one of the deepest parts, I thought, of the lake. And up out of the lake came this giant skeleton of a hand, like, like the size of this, well, this whole part of the stage. It was just coming up out of the water to grab me. I'm not lying. And as I'm swimming, I see this, and terror just shoots through my body. And I stop swimming, and I scream the loudest scream I've ever screamed in my entire life. And there's Shane. 
in the canoe just looking at me. Just looking at me like, what is going on? This man's screaming, screaming. And just as the scream was escaping me, I realized that it was a dead tree. And I looked Shane in the eye, and he's just looking at me like, what in the world? I said, I'm good, and just kept swimming. We got out of the water. He never asked. He's such a gracious guy. He didn't say one thing. Like, this guy's losing his mind. I don't know. I thought I saw a ghost. Guys, these guys, they saw Jesus. Can you imagine being on a boat and seeing a guy walk across the water? There was probably some screams that would definitely seem like a ghost, like, let's hide. And here is Jesus is walking out towards them on the water. They realize it's Jesus. And Jesus immediately does what he does all the time when he shows up in a situation when people are afraid. He says, whoa, you don't have to be afraid because it's me. Whether it's you've caught a ton of fish and they're like, get away from me, Jesus. It's okay. You don't have to be afraid. It's me. If the storm's raging and Jesus is sleeping in the boat, he wakes up. Hey, it's okay. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Then he goes on to say this. Let's look in verse 28. And Peter answered Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And I'm just thinking, if it's a ghost and he's a bad ghost, he might be like, yeah, come on. And he would just drown. I don't know, that was the kid in me. But Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Look what fear does to us. And he begins to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When he got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What I'm realizing as I read this is this is really different than the story we saw about Peter last Sunday. The story we saw about Peter last Sunday, he was just sitting there cleaning his nets, and Jesus shows up, and then they catch some fish, right? It's a very calm situation until Jesus shows up and says, let's do something boring. Let's fish some more, right? That mundane. This is different than that. This is, they're in the middle of the water, and the wind and the waves are coming, and this is just pure chaos. Can I ask you a question? How did they get there? How did they get in the middle of all that chaos? Jesus sent them. He said, hey, yeah, get in the boat and go on a cross. Why are they there? Because Jesus sent them there. We have this wrong idea sometimes if I follow everything Jesus says, then my life's going to be so great and there'll never be any chaos or any problems in my life ever. Unfortunately, the Bible is completely opposite of that. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It reminds me of, of uh, Paul who was like, you know what, I really want to go tell people in Asia about Jesus and the Lord's like, no, I want you to go to Macedonia. And like, okay, we'll be obedient. And guess what happens when they get there? They go to jail. Because they were obedient to Jesus, they went to jail. 
Where do we find purpose then? Lord, I've done everything you've asked me to do, and now chaos has hit my life. Where is my purpose? What we must realize is this, is that sometimes we are called to be faithful in the mundane, and sometimes we are called to step into the chaos. When life happens and things get crazy and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Sometimes we're like that Peter on the boat. We're like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Just stay here and get ready to fish again? And Jesus is like, no, what I want you to do is step out into the chaos from the safety of the boat into the storm, which is insane. And I, I, I think Jesus should have given Peter some credit. He's like, you have little faith. He was willing to get out of the boat. The rest of the disciples are back shaking in their boots. Do you realize sometimes your purpose is further into the chaos? So he steps out into the water, and it says, when he saw the wind, and and Kai and I were listening to this this morning, and And she was talking about how it's funny, right, that he says he saw the wind. Ever see the wind? Nope. But boy, howdy, we can really let our mind go sometime, can't we, and see the wind and how crazy it can be. And sometimes, and this is, I'll be, I'll be. A little transparent for me as I've gone through difficult times. I've called my buddy David who disciples me and walks with me, and I'll be going through some crazy stuff, and he'll point out to me that most of the issue I'm going through is happening right here between my ears. He'll ask me this question. I don't know how many times he's asked me this question. He goes, what's different about your situation today than it was yesterday? Like, what circumstances are different? None. It's exactly the same thing. I just have more knowledge about it now. Oh, okay. So everything's still the same as it was. You just know more about it now. You're seeing the wind, and all this chaos begins to happen. And I'm sure, I'm sure if we worry about it a lot, it'll get better. Right? If I just worry about it a little more, it'll make it all fine. What does it say in Matthew 6? Who by worry? Who by worry can even add a, a single day to his life? What we see here is he took his eyes off Jesus and put it on the wind. You guys remember that old song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus? But, Lord, I don't, I don't understand how you're going to get me out of this situation. I don't understand what you're going to do. I thought I was being faithful to you. What is the purpose of all this? In the Scripture, it tells us this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus... We fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean? It means Jesus who got you into this mess, he's the author of the mess. Not, he's not the author of mess. Don't get me wrong. Saying so you were faithful to Jesus and it's the enemy who creates messes. We need to edit that out of the podcast right there. Jesus 
who you're being faithful to, and now you find yourself in a mess. He will finish what he started. He will bring you to where you're supposed to be. If we fix our eyes on him, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not just going to leave you stranded. Notice that he didn't say to Peter, ha, that's what you get, and let him sink and walk off. What did he do? He reached out and grabbed that dude, pulled that joker back in the boat, and then got on to him. Oh, you have little faith. It says when they got back in the boat, it says the wind ceased. And what happened? What happened next? Because what happened next is the point of the story. Verse 33 is the point of the entire story. And I'm not sure when some of us who grew up in church read this passage to the context of verse 33. What does it say in verse 33? It says, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Like, why did all that happen? Why was there a storm? Why was there a ghost walking on the water? Why did Peter get out and almost sink and get back in? Like, why did all that happen? To reveal who Jesus was. Just like we saw in the last story in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is asleep in the boat. Then they're all like, help us, save us. When the storm comes up, they wake him up. He stops it, and they realize who he is. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And in this story, the reason this is all happening is so Jesus can reveal who he is. Can I tell you what is the purpose of the chaos you're walking through? Is so Jesus can reveal who he is to you. That's it. In the middle of the mess, Jesus is trying to say, trust me, follow me, see who I am. And we're trying to fix everything and do all this stuff on our own. We're trying to gauge where we're at, see how big the waves are, just how fast is the wind blowing. Maybe we can figure this out for ourselves. But Jesus is saying, just put your eyes on me. I am the purpose. In the middle of your chaos, I am the purpose. In the middle of the mundane, I am the purpose. And so we realize this. It's the same thing as we said last week. Indestructible purpose isn't a what. Lord, what am I going to do someday? What am I supposed to be doing? It's a who, and the who is Jesus Jesus is our purpose. And I know, like, as I look across this room, I know some of you are going through some hard stuff. So I don't say this lightly, but in the middle of the hard stuff, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the enemy attacking your life, Jesus is trying to reveal himself to you. And in that, we find purpose. This week, I gave you guys uh, a homework assignment. If you didn't do it, that's okay. You can do it this week. Last week, we talked about First Philippians, not First Philippians, First Thessalonians, chapter five, and it tells us three things that are the will of God. And I hope you got a chance to do this. It says this. It says to rejoice always, to constantly pray, and to give thanks in all circumstances. And I, I loved. I got some messages from some of you guys throughout the week like you know i ask you to give three things every day three things that you could rejoice about every day and write them down 
Three things that you could pray about every day and write them down. And three things that you give thanks about every day and write them down. And, and at the end of the week, you should have had just a mess of a page just full of stuff. And I hope you did it. And I did love some of your messages being like, this is, this is getting hard. And I think if you did it for a while, you realize at first it was hard, but then it just was like a dam broke. And you could just, wait a minute, there's tons of things to be thankful for. There's tons of things to rejoice about. But do you realize in that whole messy page that you now have, in all of that, that is all Jesus moving in your life. That is all the Lord trying to reveal himself to you, trying to show you his goodness. That is all Jesus. That is the will of God for our lives. We, we move from this time today, like here in this service this morning. The Lord has moved in an insane way today. He set us free today. And, and it isn't so that we can keep it in. It's so that it can be shared. So it can be given out. Our, our purpose is to share Jesus with others. I, I'm so thankful that Matthew and Mark and Luke and John wrote down these accounts of what Jesus did so we could have them, so we could grow, so we could learn. But you also are supposed to be a voice, a mouthpiece of what the Lord has done for you. You, you have a you have a page full now of things the Lord has done for you that you can tell people about, look what the Lord has done for me. Even in the midst of all the mess, especially when you're in the mess. I don't know how many times last year I had people reach out to me and say, it, it, it's amazing to me how you're still pressing into the Lord in the middle of a storm. Were there other options? Sure there were. Right? Sure there were. But it's not about Drew. It's about Jesus. Because if Drew were left to himself, Drew would be holed up doing something awful today. But because of Jesus and his goodness, and keeping our eyes on Jesus, we can grab hold of someone who's indestructible when our whole life feels like it's caving in. When you think, I thought we were just going to safely pass across the sea. And everything starts caving in and, and wrecking. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is all about revealing himself to you. Those guys are like, we saw a ghost. Jesus is like, no, it's me. Like, it's me. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show you who I am. I want to show you what I can do so that you know that truly I am the Son of God. Will you stand with me for just a moment? I don't know if you guys can just play something up there. That would be all right. Here's my problem when we do a lot of, like, like finding purpose studies. 
it starts off with you. Let's find out who you are. Let's really find out what you're passionate about. Right? Let's find your purpose. Like, what do you like to do? What do you think about all the time? What do you daydream about? Guys, I think that's exactly the wrong place to start when we're talking about purpose. You know where we start talking about purpose? is with one man. His name is Jesus. That's where we start. I have some things for you today. I'm going to give them to you anyway. Um, first of all, if, if you want, you can, if, you don't, if you know you're like, I'm not going to touch that, then don't come get it. But this week I have a, a daily devotional for you, if you would like it. It takes a couple minutes to read, and if you're like, I ain't going to read it, good news. I'm going to post it on Facebook where I'm reading it. So there you go. You can have that. But it's a daily devotional where it just walks us through this this week of who is Jesus. Putting our eyes on him this week. Uh, with this this week, I also have um, a little, some homework. If, you, if you're into that, daily homework. Some people love that stuff. I'm never the guy who buys the workbook, but I know some of you are. So there's that, if that's your thing. Um, and it's helpful. And I, I, do, I will say it's, it's good stuff. Um, but can I tell you this? This stuff is not meant to be done alone. I, I don't believe that we should ever do anything alone. Like this stuff, this study right here, is meant to be done with somebody else, with community. If you're in a D group, do it with your D group. If you're married, do it with your spouse. If you don't have anybody, we'll... We'll find someone with you or invite someone. This is a great opportunity to say, hey, my church is doing this study on purpose. Would you do this with me? And like, well, I don't have the materials. Well, it's going to be on Facebook or you can go to indestructiblepurpose.org and download it. It's all there too. Like, I want you to do this with somebody because the reality is things are more meaningful when we talk about it with someone. Because then we said things out loud and someone can hold us accountable to it, Right? Right? Grab someone, but or anything, I want you to grab one of these things right here. This is a little card that says this. Lord, show me where you are in this moment. And I want you to put this, and I know it's corny. I'm okay with corny. It's never bothered me a day in my life. Put this thing someplace where you struggle the most with remembering your purpose, which is Jesus Christ. If it's sitting at your computer at work, man, tape it right up there on your computer at work. If you struggle with it, with your thoughts as you're getting ready for work in the morning, maybe tape it up on your mirror. Like wherever that, maybe it's as you drive to work. Like that's, that's the spot. Then right up there next to the speedometer. Not covering it, though. Some of you guys drive too fast the way it is. The place where you struggle the most to remember that the Lord has a purpose in that moment and that purpose is Jesus. I want you to put this in that spot and every time you see it, say, Lord, just pray that prayer. Lord, show me where you are in this moment. Let me tell you where I, I find the greatest use for this. It's in the place where I experience the most anxiety. Anxiety can rob you of purpose like that. You shove this someplace where you know, like, man, this is where I experience anxiety. And you look at it. 
And when you see it, you close your eyes and the Lord, reveal yourself to me right now in this moment. Let me be faithful to you right now in this moment. Show yourself to me and see what it does to you. See how it changes your conversation. Pastor Drew, is purpose also part of what I'm passionate about and the talents the Lord has given me? Yes, it is. But that's not where it starts. We'll talk about your talents and your passions and your dreams. We're going to talk about it later. We're going to start by fixing our eyes on Jesus because he is the thing that's indestructible. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have fallen on this place today. God, I pray as we go from this place, God, we'd go remembering that we have found freedom here today. And we would walk in confidence of that freedom today as we, as we go to lunch with our, our friends and our families and we go to work tomorrow. Lord, let us be ambassadors of freedom today. Let us carry with us the cross of Jesus Christ, dying to ourselves, but being truly alive in you. God, this week as we put our, our attention on you and in this daily study, Lord, reveal yourself to us in ways you never revealed yourself us to before. God, put the lost on our hearts. Put those who don't know you on our hearts. Burden our hearts with the lost today. Help us see others with the same eyes that you see them. God, give us the words to say. Give us the words to say. Holy Spirit, direct our steps. Lord, we thank you what you're going to do in us and through us. Lord, and as freely as we receive this morning, I pray that we would freely give. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.